Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Matt Nichols talking to the media today about his injury, how he feels about not playing again this year, the future in Winnipeg that he has. Also, the Winnipeg Jets gearing up for their season opener. More injuries to deal with. They've set their opening day roster. We'll go through that. And finally, with the MLB postseason here and the Oakland A's are a part of it, Moneyball is the movie Jeff Brown and I watch in the replay booth. All that on the podcast. We start with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And today, the first time we got to hear from Matt Nichols, who, the man who many thought could lead this team to its first Grey Cup in three decades. However, we all know what happened. He got hurt seven weeks ago. And we thought maybe he'd be able to rehab and come back. Instead, season-ending surgery last week. Talk to the reporters today. We'll start with his answer to Bob Irving. Reacting to having undergone that season-ending surgery last Thursday. Yeah, definitely disappointing, unfortunate. Um, you know, it was one of the scenarios where it was uh, it was borderline and, and wanted to do everything I can to give myself a chance to continue to play this year. And uh, just kind of hit a point where it wasn't wasn't going to be possible. Uh, and I've had success in the past of similar situations and have it worked out and play no problem. So, um, you know, I was hoping for one of those situations and unfortunately, um, it wasn't a scenario where I was going to be able to, to return to play this year. Was there a point during the rehab where you thought maybe it was going to bring you back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was going it was going pretty well, and, and like I said, I mean, just you know, I didn't get too many details about it, but um, just kind of hit a point where uh, it, you know it kind of took a turn and wasn't gonna wasn't gonna work. Have the doctors told you you can have a complete recovery? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, surgeon did an awesome job. Uh, expect full recovery. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, would love to, to make it back this year. Not going to be possible, but um, you know, I'm going to attack the rehab just like I, you know, have in the past, and and uh, I'll be ready to go for next season, no problem. And um, you know, it's just just unfortunate, you know, not not able to finish the season. Felt like it was, uh, you know, had a had a really good season going, and um, you know, one I would have liked to finish. Will you continue to work with? Chris and Sean as the rest of the season plays out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in there today with them, um, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, giving all the knowledge I can to, to help those guys and, and uh, do everything possible that I can now to, to help this team continue to win football games and, and uh, you know, work towards winning a championship. Nichols admitted it wasn't easy hearing the news as season was over. You know, obviously it was uh, a couple of rough days, uh, you know, initially, but... You know, luckily I have you know great support of my my teammates, coaches here, uh, you know, my wife at home that you know is not into feeling sorry for yourself. So on the mend and and work towards helping the guys as much as I can. You know, being a leader on the locker room and in the QB room, you know, for the remainder of this season and and get myself healthy to be ready to go for next year. He also recalled how the injury happened back on August fifteenth, thanks to BC's Sean Lemon. Yeah, actually, you know, I've only watched it once and. Uh, it was just really unfortunate that uh, you know, kind of my arm pinned to my side and uh, kind of landed a little awkwardly. It's not like I hit the ground super hard or anything. I think my arm was just kind of in a vulnerable position and landed perfectly wrong on it. And uh, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that's unavoidable and you know, unfortunate that it happened. But 
as you know, as much as you know, I wish maybe I didn't get my arms pinned to my side or whatever. I mean, he was he was doing his job trying to get the ball out of my hands and you know, sack quarterback. That was that's his job. So, you know, it's not one of those things where you know, blame anyone other than it was a, a unlucky fall. And he doesn't consider this injury to be a whole lot different than some of the other ones he suffered earlier in his career. You know, even though I, I had, I've had some injuries, uh, you know, I've really only missed, I think, 12 games in the last six years. And so, um, you know, that's including the next few I'm going to miss. And so, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, haven't missed a ton of time, regardless of having a few injuries. I mean, uh, you know, missed a season in 2013. My injury in 2012 was in a playoff game I didn't miss any time for. And uh, you know, last year only missed a couple games at the start of the year, so um, I've been able to, to bounce back from some stu- some stuff. And uh, this one just you know is magnified probably because you know having a good season going and, and uh, you know not able to return for the finish. And so uh, yeah, I think you see it at every level. I mean, right now there's seven eight NFL quarterbacks that are that are out and uh, out for the year and those types of things. So just it happens and. Uh, Again, I'll rehab from it and be back, and I'll be better next year. He doesn't expect the surgery will have much of an impact, if any, on his off-season routine. I actually don't think it's going to affect my off-season too much. I mean, usually, you know, as I've gotten older too, um, you know, I usually don't start throwing much until April, May, anyways. And uh, as far as timeline goes, you know, it's a couple months of just kind of recovering from the surgery, and then you know, just start strengthening it back up and and be. Fully ready to go for next season, and, and as far as my off-season training, um, yeah, I think I'll be able to change some things here and there, which I, you know, have have been doing the last few years, anyways. And you know, so it's just one of those things where you just kind of incorporate rehab into my normal everyday workouts, and uh, you know, won't hinder me in my my off-season training. And and again, I'll be fully ready to go for next season. Now, speaking of off-season, Matt Nichols is a free agent after this season. There is a chance, of course, that he has played his last down as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. It all really depends on what maybe he's asking for dollar-wise. There's also... I'm distracted, sorry. Nationals just gave up a home run. Six pitches into the game. That's great. Uh, So 2 nothing Brewers. As I was saying, if Streveler leads the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to a great cup... Nichols is probably gone. I don't know. It's all speculation, of course. But he did want to maybe get an extension done earlier this year, but didn't turn out. Tried to get uh, you know something done before the season, and 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 uh, I think the CBA and stuff kind of played into to some of that. And then um, you know, ultimately, you know, we're in season right now. It's not really the time, I guess, to to get into. Much of that talk, but I mean, we'll have plenty of time you know, once the season ends to, to get into those talks. And again, that's something that's you know, out of my control. You know, I love it here. I'd love to be back, but um, you know, we'll see how that all plays out. And he acknowledged that, yeah, the timing of this injury during a contract year wasn't ideal. But ultimately, again, it's that's another thing that's kind of out of my control. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, I mean, I felt like I was playing the best football in my life this year, and you know, I don't think that that's something that, that goes unnoticed. And, and uh you know who knows how that all plays out, but right now, you know, I'm worried about just taking it one day at a time to get healthy and helping my team win. You know, this week. The moral of the story: He sees this injury and surgery as nothing more than just a minor setback. Nothing catastrophic, just something that you know needed to be fixed. And you know, obviously, if you're going to have surgery on a throwing shoulder as a quarterback, you're not going to be able to come back this year. And so, you know, it's just uh, 
unfortunate, but like I said, I mean, you know, expect full recovery, you know, a lot of good people around me, you know, world-class surgeon, all that stuff. And so you know, ultimately, uh, you know, just get ready for next year. And, you know, luckily as, as a quarterback, I'm, you know, feel like I'm in the prime of my career and, and uh, again, was, you know, having a career year and, and expect to uh, you know, have a lot of good football in front of me. Winnipeg Jets have set their opening day roster. The goalies, I mean, Bressois Hellebuck, we knew that. The defense. Okay. Well, Nathan Bully, first of all, is hurt. Four weeks upper body injury. They claimed Carl Dahlstrom off waivers from Chicago today. Six assists in 38 games last season. He is 6'4". He is 24 years old and has two years remaining on a contract worth $850,000 per year. Here's the rest of their defense. Anthony Batetto, Tucker Pullman, Neil Pionk, Dmitry Kulikov, Vili Hainola, and Josh Morrissey, who today was given an A for the front of his sweater, which, I mean, obviously, he deserves that. Not a lot of experience. In fact, I've, I've run the numbers. Those seven, take out Bully's numbers, have played 1,155 games NHL in their career. Dustin Bufflin himself, who is still sitting around somewhere, pondering his future, 869 career games played. Bufflin and Bolu combined have played more NHL games than everybody who is on the Jets opening day roster. Defensemen, I should say. Kulikov is 226 of them. Josh Morrissey, the second most experienced player, 223. Potato 132, Pionk 101, Dahlstrom 49, Pullman 24, and Hainola 0. So Vili Hainola, the 18-year-old, looks like he'll probably play in their season opener on Thursday. Ooh. Head coach Paul Maurice on what he's liked out of Hainola so far. What, what you would like when you see an 18-year-old defenseman built like him get into exhibition games, and then even more than that was our practices were heavy. Right? A lot of one-on-one uh, physicality to it. And, and what he, he can almost see it happening during a practice. He figures it out. He figures out that he needs to play Blake Wheeler differently than he needs to play Nick Ehlers. There's, they've got different styles. And he's a smart guy. His pickup rate's real fast. His system's rate's real fast. He's, what's unusual about Ville for what is purely like a very skilled young man and an offensive-style player, he doesn't kind of come to the rink and say, well, this is what I do and I really don't need to do a whole lot more. He's interested in playing, being good at all parts of the game. So we do our one-on-one battles or we do any of the, the heavy lifting down low. He's, he's conscientious and he's trying to get better in that parts of the game. So he respects the whole game. And he's darn good at it. Now you may be wondering, uh, Christian, what about Sammy Niku? Well, the answer to that is this. Battling an injury through training camp didn't really skate much, practice today, but he was assigned to the Manitoba Moose. I don't expect that will take very long. You look at who they have, and they just picked up Dahlstrom off waivers. He is not obviously waiver exempt because, duh, he got claimed on waivers. Niku is. And so, since he's not quite ready yet to play, he gets sent down for now. And it's easy to send him down because the Moose are just down the hall. He is waiver exempt. So if he's not going to play, you just put him down there. Salary cap-wise, doesn't really make a difference because Bufflin's not here, so they got lots of space. 
But if Buff were to come back, then Hainola goes down. It's simple. Or Niku just comes up, Hainola goes down. Or David Gustafson. He's the extra forward right now with Brian Little hurt. Not on IR, by the way. Bolu is on injured reserve. Brian Little not. He has a concussion. There are some people I've I've read online, and by the way, informing yourself by people's opinions on Twitter is a bad way to go about life, but sometimes I do that just for fun. People are like, oh, what's Palmeries doing? Putting Niku down. He's crazy. All right, come back to me in a week. All right? They're going on a road trip. The guy's not quite healthy yet. He has not played a lot of NHL minutes, okay? If it's Morrissey or Bufflin and he's, you know, coming off an injury, maybe he goes right back in, but... And Niki didn't play a lot of preseason. He's barely played in the NHL, so give him some time. He'll be okay. But anyway, let's learn something about Carl Dahlstrom from Paul Maurice. I mean, we spent quite a bit of time watching his game last night, and we got some really good uh, intel from people that have coached him. Um, so big man that skates well for a big man for sure. He's, he's a defender. Um, and uh, gap closure and a lot of things that we've tried to I don't even to say implement, but get better at it in our training camp. We think he can excel at. There's lots of room for growth in his game, but we uh, we view him as a safe plug-in right now. He's got some NHL experience. He's got clearly some size, but he moves with that size. So he's he's got some systems experience in the NHL. When you go back and look at the back half of his year, when we went in there in game four games left, he played against uh, Scheif. So they matched him against that line, go back three or four games against Colorado. He plays against McKinnon. When they play in Pittsburgh, he's against Malkin. So when you've got kind of a younger group maybe there uh, in Chicago, that the coach keeps matching that guy up against the other team's best, we like that. That's almost identical to the Neil Piant experience last year up until the All-Star break. He played against the other team's best. So he just joined the team. It'll take a bit for him to actually draw into the lineup if they desperately need him. He's kind of insurance right now with the injury to Bolio. That's really why ultimately they needed to do that and Niku not being ready. Now looking at the power play, this is the first time they've really had everybody there to practice the power play with Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine finally back. But on the back end, Josh Morrissey practicing with the first unit because Dustin Bufflin isn't there. Maurice, on the difference between what those two bring to the power play. The role's like no different, but what's the different skill set? Left-hand shot. So it changes the passing angles up top. You've seen in exhibition, Josh will shoot the puck differently than Dustin. It's a one-time from uh, from Blake for Dustin, and then it's a one-time from Patty uh, with Josh from Blake for Dustin. And then it changes the passing angles up top. You've seen in exhibition... Josh will shoot the puck differently than Dustin. It's a one-time from uh, from Blake for Dustin, and then it's a one-time from Patty uh, with Josh. He he's looking for that hole, and that that we felt with our power play that was something because they started to either uh, really press Blake on one side or leave him and close out the one-time shooters. We needed a shooter up top that would find the holes in the lane, so we think that Josh can excel there. Now, there were no deep pairings at practice, so we don't have an insight into that. And the reason is because they have seven guys? When we, when we run seven in practice, so we had seven guys or eight guys on the ice, we, we, won't, uh, we won't set pairings. It's kind of by rest. Well, none of them have played together before, so it's all new. Uh, it's just the practice, the way the practice, style of practice that you have. So when you get into any five-on-five, 
and you're running, let's say, 7D, uh, the next group up, you're short of defensemen. So somebody's got to come down. So it's a good idea. Hey, we'll put you together. You'll get some time together. And after the first rotation of the drill, nobody plays together anymore. So that's just the way it works. And on the second power play unit, are they looking at using two defensemen or just one? So what happens is that your first unit, and this would happen a lot, Chife's group goes out and they end up taking a minute and a half just in zone time. They're in zone the entire time. Once the clock hits 20, I'm going 2D. Right, so we'll run 2D out because this game's going to five on five and you don't want to get a forward trap. So we have a, a, a four forward and a three forward plan. With Brian out, we're running 2D. Uh, we can't practice both because Brian's out today, so we just run that and when they come back, we'll, we'll practice both. And, and now, we'll, once you've got this practice that they get some time together, they don't need to necessarily go back to it. We'll run four the next time. The second unit mentality is different. They know there's going to be personnel changes on that group and they got a short amount of time, a lot of times, to work with that. So it becomes very simple. There's not a lot of secret plays or setup time. It's pucks to the net, you know, move it quick. So they're used to having a lot of change. Since the Oakland A's are in the playoffs, and, well, here's the rationale. Playoffs for baseball, we figured, Jeff Braun and I, the replay booth every other Tuesday we watch an old sports movie, we figured out it's got to be baseball. And since Oakland made the playoffs since it's Moneyball is pretty much still a thing and Billy Bean is still the GM. Why not do Moneyball? This is one of the newer movies we've done in this series. 2011 Moneyball featuring Brad Pitt. We're doing it obviously because it's the Oakland Athletics in the playoffs based on a 2003 Michael Lewis book of the same name. And it's about the 2002 Oakland Athletics and how they basically spent no money and still made the playoffs. That's true. I also got to point out, directed by Bennett Miller. Okay. He directed the movie Capote, which was made here in Winnipeg, of course, which also won Philip Seymour Hoffman, an Academy Award, and he plays the... Manager, Art Howe. And it was uh, written by Steve Zalian, who's a Hall of Fame writer, and Aaron Sorkin, who's an even bigger (laughs) Hall of Fame writer, did the rewrite. Right. It's a... Quite the pedigree. Thing in You've seen film. this one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, I have also it was nominated it. for a bunch of Oscars, yeah. including and, for Jonah Hill. And sports was... movies don't usually. No. Uh, I, th- I heard a Feel the Dreams, I think, was the previous like yeah. sports mo- or baseball movie to get any kind sports of nomination. Movie, okay. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar with it, baseball around this time was all Yankees, Red Sox spending hundreds of millions of dollars to field their teams. And then here's Oakland with you know a $40 million payroll doing damage in the regular season. But the movie ends with them losing in the playoffs again because, and I have to point this out, since they lost to the World Reds in the World Series in 1990, they have one playoff series win. Really? Yes. And it's not that they just lose. In the 2000 and, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2012, and 2013 division series, they lost all of them best of five series in five games. So they go, it's close. So when push comes yeah. to shove, they cannot get it done. <laughs> and this is all Billy Bean teams. He's uh, been general manager since 1997. still there. He's still there now. And uh, so this, this... Spoilers for the ending of Moneyball, by the way. He does not take the Red Sox off. Right, of $12.5 bucks. So Billy Bean is a former baseball player. They kind of weave that into the storyline. He was, you know, a projected top pick... Wasn't sure if he wanted to sign with the, uh, Stanford or if he wanted to go to the big leagues. He decided to go to the big leagues and then kind of was a bust. And he goes into front office, and it's all about doing things differently. We see a lot in movies of 
new thinking versus old guard. Change the system. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. It's an unfair game. Trying to change the system and, oh, the establishment resists. But then the underdog usually comes through. Right. And it does. But this Here's is based on true story. Yeah. And it did it, how much did uh, this Moneyball style actually change baseball? Because the Red Sox, they were influenced by it for sure, and then they ended up winning for the... It broke the Bambino curse like two years later, right? Right, oh four. But they also still spent a ton of money on that yeah. team. Not as much money as let's say they spent on last year's World Series winning team. Right. Well, but nobody did. No, but you'll look at a team like Kansas City winning in 2015. Small market teams have a chance. Okay. Right. And, and but, it's based on the the new math that Jonah Hill brings up. In so movie. analytics are a huge part of base sabermetrics is what right. I guess the blanket term is a huge part of how baseball operates now. Jombie's on base percentage was four seventy seven. Damon's on base, 324, and Almeida's was 291. Add that up and you get... Do you want me to speak? What point do you get? 1092. Divided by three. It's 364. That's what we're looking for. Baseball's all numbers. Yeah. Right? Baseball's well, always been numbers. Because this movie, sort of, the, the Roger Ebert, the late great critic, had an adage that was, um, it doesn't matter... What a movie is about, it only matters how the movie is about it. Mm. This is like a movie about stats and numbers that should be boring as all get out, but it, I was all in for it every time I've seen it. I love this movie and something, and I don't, I don't care about ball con, like contracts with sports players, even like all the stuff with the Jets. I was like, whatever, wake me on game day and tell me who's on the team. I don't care because mm-hmm. I just can't be bothered to get into the minutia of all that. But this stuff with the trade deadline scene and uh, it was just, it was engrossing. It was wonderful to watch. I really like the trade deadline so scene. Exciting. That was good. It's more, it's more, that's the most exciting action sequence in the sports movie. And they are sitting around on phones. Yeah. Tell them I'll pay for them. But when I, when I sell them back for twice the amount next year, I keep the money. Okay, so Billy says he'll pay for Rincon himself, but when he sells him for more money next year, he's keeping the profit. Okay, thank you very much. We'll call you back. Thank you. Come on! Come on! And think about 2002 and the computer technology that wasn't there. Yeah, well, they, like, sneer at uh, Jonah Hill's like, oh, you're on your computer, and they... He has to go be in like this, like what looks like the boiler room, because it's probably the only spot that had a, a jack where he could plug in his computer to get the internet or whatever. So. Right. The scene of Billy and Peter in this boardroom with all the old scouts, who are, by <laughs> the way, all played by actual scouts. Really? No. Not all but all one of them. them. Yeah, all but I one of them are played by actual scouts. Yeah. But just the one. That's it. Uh, and I thought originally, but I don't think, I think I looked it up yesterday and it wasn't the case. I thought some of the owners were actual owners too. The no. guy that plays shot, he wasn't an actor though. He was like the no, owner. No, he's the owner of like Activision Blizzard, the video game company. So how does he get a job acting as the owner? Knows a guy. Oakland. And how about this? The guy who plays John Henry at the end was the same actor who played the adult Smalls in the Sandlot. Oh really? Yeah. That guy I'd seen before in other stuff. Okay. Like, but but he also, I don't know if it's, it's just that well written. It came off as like this could be the actual. Right. Owner of the it felt like that, so they right. did they do a very good job of that sort of thing. I mean, you can't get away from the Brad like his movie star Brad Pitt, right? And, and this is Brad Pitt's movie. Yeah, and he's, he's in most of the almost all of it. Exactly, and he's fantastic in it. Like he's had a weird career, I think, but this is one of his. 
top five for me for sure. Yeah. Okay. It takes you through this season about how he's trying to field this lineup with a bunch of kind of nobodies, but they're not nobodies. The numbers say they're actually outperforming their contracts. And you don't get to meet a ton of the uh, players. You get to kind of meet Chad Bradford, who's the submariner, and he had a decent pro career. Scott Hatterberg played by Chris Pratt. And originally, they were actually, some of these players were actually going to be played by the ball players themselves, but then changes in who was running the movie and the yeah, Columbia Pictures dropped Steven it. Yeah, Soderbergh movie at first. Yeah, so it, there were changes there, but Pratt apparently got in shape for it. And the only reason why he was an important figure was twofold. One, he was the crux of an argument with Art Howe, the manager, about who should play first, even though that was kind of inaccurate. And then he hit the walk-off homer to win 20 straight games. That's the one. That's why. That's the best moment in this movie. It's the best moment in a lot of sports movies. Swung on. There's a high drive. Hit way back. Right center field. That one is gone. And it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost an 11 to nothing lead. And now they win it. I was waiting for it to come up. I was like, oh, I love that when he hit but that home run. the amazing so thing good. is, the way that game unfolded, blowing an 11 nothing lead only to get the walk-off homer to win your 20th straight game, that's beyond a Hollywood script. Yeah. Like, you couldn't believe that. But that's actually what happened. So, in a we- real life afforded itself to this movie to make it better, right? The movie's not as good if something in real life didn't happen that way. I wonder if that never happened. Let's say they just got 19. Let's say they lost the 20th game 4-1. Uh, to one. Right. Would I wonder if... Whoever published that book would even let that guy write that book and pay him for it. Right. Or like, let's this say way, like this book is going to have a killer ending that was in recent memory because that book came out or two years later. they hold on and then they win like 14 to two. Yeah. Right. They still win the 20th game. But 18 and 19 were both walk-offs as well. Don't yeah. forget that. And what about the daughter's role in all of it? Uh, she, I like listening to her play her song, so, and that song is from 2008. Right. But so, Bennett Miller liked it so much, he's like, you could put it in our 2003 set movie. Yeah. And then they put it in the end credits, like, mm-hmm. where she plays it over blackness before the credits even start. I'm just a little bit caught in the middle, life is a maze, and love is a riddle. I well, they made it seem like her singing convinced Billy to not go to Boston, stay in Oakland to be near his daughter. That's probably what actually happened, that mm-hmm. he didn't want to, like, because it's not like moving from Milwaukee to Chicago. That's across the country. Right. In a, and he's got, a, like, a high-pressure job where he can't just take off whenever he wants or whatever. Right. So, so I, I didn't have any problem with that. I right. think it's good to show the, even with guys that are, like, obsessed with work kind of movies or whatever, that it's, that there's something else going on in their lives. Right. And the kind of the change when Billy Bean all of a sudden starts talking to the players and Peter kind of convinces them to be more jovial with the players. Great montage. Of him um, trying to explain things and how he should do them better. He, I him, liked the scenes where he made Jonah fire or tell the guy he's traded or whatever. All that's Carlos Pena, yeah. who, by the way, was in the minors when he was traded to the Tigers. So that, that was kind of not how it actually they went down. It. Well, and Art Howe apparently was a lot less resistant than they painted him to be and was not as stodgy. Yeah, but movie needs conflict. Well, and Art Howe apparently, he has publicly stated how he doesn't really like how he was portrayed in this movie. Same with that uh, lead scout guy. He said he never really dropped the F-bomb like that. Right. Whatever, so. Did you recognize the guitar player doing the national anthem? Joe Satriani? Yeah, Joe Satch. Metallica does that in real life mm. for the San Francisco Giants. Okay, and and other, other players, other guitarists have done that, like exactly. Slash has done that so, before too. Joe Satch must probably live, be from Oakland or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. 
There is one guy in Manitoba who knows very well how this movie ends. And how, who would that be, Jeff? It's Corey Kosky, the second baseman of the Minnesota Twins, who caught the final out that ended their season. Yes. And you could see the Kosky name bar on the screen. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun fact, that was the last series win for the Minnesota Twins. Oh, really? Yeah, they haven't won a series since. Wow. In fact, they were even swept by the Oakland Athletics in the Oakland's last series win in 06. So well, they got a chance to make it up this year. They do. So both does, of those so teams. Both of those teams do. So uh, in the end, it was mostly accurate, though. Uh, and there's um, all movies are going to take some liberties. Yeah. When you're doing a real life sports thing, you can't take like they couldn't have changed that. Well, they won 20 games game. in a row. Yeah. Like that. That's like, what you're yeah, building you know up. What? We're uh, we're going to make it 25 games because yeah. it's bigger. Do you like the fact that <laughs> they they jump basically from that winning streak to spending 30 seconds on the playoffs? Yeah. Well, you got to. That's just. Some movies do that, right? Like even Major League, that movie ends in the regular season. That right. doesn't even go to the playoffs. And the, the point being, they only remember the last game. Did you win it? No? Okay. If we don't win the last game of the series, they'll dismiss us. Bill. I know these guys. I know the way they think. And they will erase us. And everything we've done here, none of it will matter. Any other team wins the World Series, good for them. But if we win on our budget with this team, we'll change the game. And that's what I want. And then they just skip ahead to the Boston part. Six Oscar nominations for this one. Uh, no wins. This should I think now it might win Best Picture. Yeah. It should have won Best yeah. Picture. What's okay. out there? The, uh, it beat the artist beat it, which oh. is one of the big regrets at the Oscars. I okay. The, uh, the you saw a wedding ring on Billy Bean. He did remarry. They shot scenes with his second wife, but they never they just out. cut them from the movie. Um, and it did take criticism. The book did, and I guess the movie in conjunction with that for kind of glossing over that they did have a lot of good young talent through the draft, through international scouting, through the normal means. Like, their rotation was really good from yeah. drafting. They had players like Miguel Tejada, Eric Chavez, Tim Hudson, Mark Mulder, Barry Zito, who were really good, and that's how they got them. And then they kind of pieced around the rest of it with the, the cheap other yeah, guys. Yeah, it wasn't rebuilding the entire team like that, just filling in the holes like that. So, right. what's your rating? Um, For mon- uh, eight and a half money balls out of ten. <laughs> Okay. I will do um, eight out-of-date blackberries out of ten. Nice. We'll try to figure out in two weeks what we're going to do next. By the way, forgot to mention that the 20-game win streak that Oakland had is no longer the record in the American League. Cleveland, two years ago, won 22 in a row en route to a first-round playoff exit. Sound familiar, Oakland? Yes. Tune into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?